Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. get to college, I'm going to find a church. But he had developed uh, a, a numerical grading system for churches. He had a yellow legal pad and he would walk, he, he had a plan, he had marked out where all the churches were in town and he was going to go from church to church to church with his, his, his legal pad and he had a scoring system based on, okay, the greeting, the uh, facility, the preaching, the, um, the church polity. I mean, he had this incredible list. And just imagine, okay, being a, a, a 30, 40, 50, even 60-year-old pastor and having an 18-year-old college student come in with a legal pad and grade you. I mean, it was crazy. And we were laughing because he looks back now and he's like, you know, I was such a Pharisee. <laughs> I, I can't believe I did that. And we started thinking about, I started thinking about scorecards. Because I think all of us have a scorecard. When it comes to church, right? Some of you might have been grading us this morning. Like when you got greeted, someone gave you a side hug and you're like, uh, Minus 30 points for that one, right? Yeah, that, that was awkward. I wasn't ready for the side hug, you know, or, or the pastor's wearing a, a casual, like maybe that's a plus 10 for you. We all have scorecards when it comes to things like church or even restaurants and all the things of life. But taking that a little bit deeper, what about with our friendships? Like other people, right? I, I, I text you, uh, I, I texted you this week and it took 24 hours for you to get back to me. And I know that statistically you check your cell phone 48 times per day and surely you saw my text message and it took 24 hours, like minus 10, right? Or I saw on Instagram that, that you were hanging out without me, minus 30. Now, would you enjoy being my friend if you felt like I was grading you all the time? No, right? None of us want to feel like we're being graded all the time, but let's take that just a little bit deeper. What about your own internal scorecard for yourself? You feel like you have a scorecard? I, I know uh, some people when they when they lay down at night and their their kind of their thoughts start to wander, they mull over their day and they think Oh, I, uh, I lost my temper with the kids today, minus 20. But I think I looked okay in that outfit, so that's plus three. You know, like we have this like internal scoring system where maybe I, I lost a pound this week, plus 10, right? We have this internal scorecard that's always in our minds. And I think what Paul's gonna talk today about really has a lot to do with our scorecards, our scorecards. I, I want to pick us up in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. We're going to go all the way to verse 11. If you have a copy of the scriptures, join in. We're also going to have it on the screens. If you don't have a Bible, you can, you can follow us there. But starting in chapter 3, verse 1. 
Paul says this, in addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. That, that would be rejoice exceedingly. Be glad, like, like rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me. And it's a safeguard for you. Verse two, watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. Verse seven, but everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on Faith, verse 10, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. So Paul, the apostle, is giving them this warning and I think we need to understand the context of what's happening here. This was a group, this, this group that he's warning them about in verse two, he calls them dogs. Now that's not like the PetSmart dog world that we live in with organic dog food. I, I, I went to Cuba about two years ago on mission. And when you see a dog in Cuba, you're not like, oh, how cute. You're like, oh gosh, keep that thing away from me, right? It's, it's kind of gross, it's panting. It's, it's had like 20 litters of puppies. It, it's like mangy. And you're just like, you, know, you do not wanna touch that dog. It just sort of wanders around into places where it's not wanted. And that's the picture that he's painting. And in fact, this group, this sect, these were called the Judaizers. And these would have been uh, devout Jews that were teaching that to be um, a, a true part of the people of God, you needed both Jesus and the law. They taught Jesus plus law equals salvation, equals righteousness. They're, that They had to have a works-based righteousness. And Paul says, watch out for the dogs. And the reason was that everywhere that these churches were being planted, Judaizers were coming along and they were infiltrating churches and teaching what Paul calls in Galatians 1, another gospel, a distorted gospel, that it was Jesus plus, Jesus plus the law is salvation and righteousness, this was a major problem. And as Americans, I think we have a hard time understanding 
how scandalous Christianity was for a devout Jew. Think about it. Your whole life you've been taught we are the people of God. We have a whole history showing that God appeared to our ancestors. He, he gave us this land. He, he delivered us out of Egypt. Their whole customs, their traditions, their festivals, all celebrating that they are the people of God. They have the temple, the sacrifice, the, 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 all the ceremonies. And then Jesus comes onto the scene and he says, basically, I'm going to fulfill this entire old covenant system and I am inaugurating a new covenant and if you're going to be a part of the people of God it's going to happen through faith in me and he says it to the Jews and he says it to the Gentiles saying here is the people of God it's not the law this is a new covenant a new relationship a, a way of relating to God through Jesus so this would have been scandalous like what we're the people of God. How, how do you get in, right? It's just Jesus. And they couldn't wrap their minds around this, this righteousness that would come by faith alone. And Paul reveals their true motive. We find it in Galatians chapter six. He says that they did not want to be persecuted for the sake of the cross of Christ. We find this in Galatians six verses 12 through 15. He says, those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. And what that meant is that they have a culture. They have this way of, of doing life and they wanted to keep their culture, but they wanted Jesus too. So they thought, this is how we do it. It's Jesus plus the law, Jesus plus the law. So Paul says to them, watch out three times. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for the mutilators of the flesh. Here's the thing. I'm gonna venture a wild guess that probably none of us in here are really torn up inside about whether or not we kept the Mosaic law this week. Am I right about that? Have y'all been like at night, like secretly, like churned up inside, like no animals were sacrificed this week. There was no ceremonial cleansing. You know, I, I didn't celebrate the, you know, wh whatever feast was the most recent feast, right? None of you are probably um, torn up inside about this keeping of the Mosaic law. But Jesus plus still exists today. My first point is this. All of us have our own version of the Jesus plus spirituality. All of us have this, this version of the Jesus plus scorecard. Right? This, this way of knowing, have I done everything that I needed to do? They all, we all have our own version. And we need to hear Paul over the millennia, 2,000 years saying, watch out, watch out, watch out. So what does that look like today? What does Jesus plus look like today? Well, I think we have to understand this term that Paul uses, confidence in the flesh. We, we see this in verses two and three. 
He says, watch out for the dogs, watch out for the evil workers, watch out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision, meaning these guys are saying, you, you know, you should be outwardly circumcised, which all the Gentile men were like, whoa, I don't know if I want to join this church, right? Ouch. He says, no, we are the circumcision, the circumcision of the heart, the ones who worship by the spirit of God and who boast in Christ Jesus. And he says, do not put confidence in the flesh. You see, when it comes to the Jesus plus scorecard, it's really about what are we trusting in other than Jesus to determine our righteousness. That's, that term would mean how a person should be, right? It's rightness, it's, it's this acceptable to God. How do we determine our own Righteousness. Well, there's two kinds of Jesus plus scorecards. The, the first would be kind of a religious scorecard. Now, if, if you have a different type of church background or cultural background, some of this might sound familiar to you. One would be Jesus plus good works, right? Maybe you were raised in a system of faith or, or church where it was like, you know, believing in Jesus is great and all, but if you're not doing good works, I'm not sure about you. You're probably not a Christian, right? You had to have good works to be saved. Martin Luther, one of his fundamental insights was this, that religion is the default mode of the heart. There's something in us that always wants to earn it. We always want to earn it. So there's this, this thing in us that's Jesus plus good works. This could look a little bit more socially hip. It could sound like Jesus plus social justice, right? If you're not sold out for so, social justice, then we're not so sure you're a Christian and we kind of look down our nose like judgmentally at you because surely you must not be a believer because it's Jesus plus social justice or it could be Jesus plus evangelism, right? If you've come out of a very evangelistic ministry and they said, hey, here's your goal this week. You're gonna share Christ with three people today and I don't wanna see you again until you share with three people this week. And you're like, ah, I guess it's not just Jesus. Like I have to share my faith in order to be accepted by God. If you've come from a charismatic background, right? Jesus plus spiritual gifts, Right. I'm not sure you're a Christian if you can't speak in tongues or prophesy or whatever, right? We have Jesus plus spiritual gifts or this could look like Jesus plus self-condemnation every time you mess up. If you came from a, a, a church that was heavy on holiness, 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 and now it's like, it's like trusting in Jesus, but also every time I mess up, I have to like beat myself over the head for like three weeks because I messed up. And that's how I earn my salvation, my righteousness with God. Or I think this is prevalent right now, Jesus plus prosperity, right? This idea that, um, that this gospel of Jesus is really just a means to an end to you to get the things, all those things that your idolatrous heart already wanted, which was health and wealth and happiness, we're spiritualizing the things of the flesh. And so we have this Jesus plus. The, the fundamental um, understanding of, of religion is that I obey, therefore I am 
accepted. But the gospel runs on this. I am accepted and therefore I obey. I'm accepted by Jesus, therefore I obey. So we have this Jesus plus religious kind of stuff that's all around us constantly. We also have um, some cultural scorecards when it comes to Jesus plus, right? We have, you know, Jesus plus career success, meaning like I love Jesus, but if I'm not successful with my career, I'm not okay. I'm not okay with who I am. Or Jesus plus financial security, like I love Jesus, but money's the answer, if I'm honest, and how I live. Or Jesus plus symbols of wealth, like I, I love Jesus, but I still need the clothes, and I still need the car, or the house, or the, the things to make me feel good about my life. It could be Jesus plus what others think about me. Like, I, I, I love that Jesus accepts me, but if you don't accept me, I'm not okay. It can be Jesus plus body image, Jesus plus sexuality, Jesus plus the perfect soulmate. I call that Hallmark Christianity, right? Casey and I sometimes watch Hallmark. It's clean. We can watch it with the kids on, but it's like the whole thing is like a, a girl uh, from the big city gets stuck out in a country town. Have you all ever watched Hallmark movies before? None of you? Okay, that's all right. We're, we're, that, we're that couple now, that, the old people that sit at home and watch Hallmark movies, I guess. But, uh, and, and we have this idea that finding the perfect soulmate is what life is all about, right? And if you don't find your soulmate, then you're not okay. Jesus plus, perfect soulmate. Or parents, right? Jesus plus my perfect family. Like, I, I, I'm so grateful that Jesus has washed me and cleansed me and saved me, but if my kids don't turn out the way I hope, I'm not gonna be okay. Do you see what I'm getting at? that there's this dividing line in us where, where we have some scorecards that really are about the flesh. It's putting confidence in the stuff of the flesh, the stuff of the earth. We have a Jesus plus scorecards. So what about you? Are there any scorecards that you are hanging on to inside of yourself? Things that if you... Um, if you were to lose it, you would not be okay. What is it, if bragging were okay, if, if it was okay to brag in here, if you could boast just a little bit, what would you boast about? Or what do you beat yourself up about the most? Where do you feel the most like, like that consuming guilt or that inability to receive forgiveness? What do you find yourself incessantly praying about? Sometimes these questions reveal, you know, there's, there really is something else that I'm, I'm trusting in. I, I think about the um, Bitcoin. I don't know if, if you guys have watched the, the Bitcoin kind of rise and fall. Right? It's been impressive to see how it's like a 10-year-old technology and where it starts. And I think it was a, about a year ago, it was just off the charts. If you had, if you had bought into it, like the, the money you would have made have been crazy. But if you look at it now, it's just kind of like this, right? It's all over the place. 
And I think about the, the Jesus plus scorecards. When, when we begin to attach our sense of well-being, our approval, our sense of rightness with God and with ourselves to stuff that is less than Jesus, what happens is we're kind of like that, that stock market line and we are up and we're down. We feel good today. We feel depressed tomorrow. It's like we're all over the place because we've put our functional trust in something other than what God has done for us in Jesus. So what effect does does this have on us? What does that do to our lives? Well, the, the first thing is that I believe it will steal your joy. See, it will grind you down because your value is based on your effort. It will steal your joy. In fact, when Paul says in verse one, rejoice, it's no problem for me to write this to you again. He's guarding their joy. When he's giving them this challenge, this watch out, he's guarding their joy because he knows this mentality will grind them down. The second thing is that it will rob your peace because you're never sure that God is pleased enough with you. You're never quite sure. Or you become double-minded and you're, you got one foot in the world. Like, like the Judaizers, they had one foot in their culture and one foot in Jesus and they're trying to do both at the same time. And he says, look, this is deadly. It will rob your peace. It will destroy your passion because God's approval in your mind isn't based on his goodness, it's based on your goodness. And that will actually destroy your passion for Jesus. It will erode your confidence because you're always one defeat away from rejection and one victory away from approval. You're always in limbo, never knowing where you stand. So this Jesus plus mentality will leave us joyless, conflicted, discouraged, and lukewarm. Jesus plus always equals misery. Jesus plus will always equal misery. I found a quote from Tim Keller. Um, I just finished going through a book with some of our guys called Prodigal God. He said this, We habitually and instinctively look to other things besides God and his grace as our justification, hope, significance, and security. We believe the gospel at one level, but at deeper levels we do not. Human approval, professional success, power and influence, family and clan identity, all these things serve as our hearts, functional trust rather than what Christ has done. And as a result, we continue to be driven to a great degree by fear, anger, and a lack of self-control. You cannot change such things through mere willpower, through learning biblical principles and trying to carry them out. We can only change permanently as we take the gospel more deeply into our understanding and into our hearts. See, when we invest our worth, our sense of worth, our approval, our righteousness in something else than Jesus, we are like that stock market rising and falling. 
It always equals misery. Um, several years ago, there was a hashtag that came out, hashtag winning. Have you all seen that before, hashtag winning? Yeah, I think Charlie Sheen might have been the one. And if you were to look at Charlie Sheen's life, unfortunately, he said hashtag winning, but I don't know if that's what the actual proof of his life is, that he was not really winning. Um, but this has become common. We'd say hashtag winning, right? The Rock this morning has a, a caramel frappuccino and he posts a picture and he says hashtag winning, right? I was thinking about that term because what Paul's talking about here is this idea of being a winner. And you might hear me talking about this stuff and the rise and fall and you think, you know, that's great, Chris, but that's for people who really aren't doing that well in life. And if I'm honest, I feel like I'm winning, like hashtag winning. But isn't that exactly what Paul says? In verse four, he says, although I have re reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And then he goes into his pedigree in verse five, circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. That would have been a tribe that was respected amongst all the other tribes. He says, I'm a Hebrew born of Hebrews regarding the law, a Pharisee, the, the strictest law keepers. They made laws to pad the laws to make sure they didn't accidentally cross the line and, and break a law. These guys were serious about the law. He says, regarding the law of Pharisee, verse six, regarding zeal, persecuting the church. Like you can't get any more serious about Judaism than that. He was a winner regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. Meaning this, I used to play by that scorecard. I played by that scorecard and I was a winner. But do you remember how Paul came to know Jesus? The story of the Damascus Road where he's, he's got papers in hand, he's going to persecute the followers of the way. He's gonna go drag men, women, and children out of their homes for believing in Jesus. He was gonna go persecute them, imprison them, have them beaten. Some of them would be killed. That's what he was going to do, the winner, the, the, the perfect Hebrew scorecard. And Jesus kicks him off his horse. He he shows up in blinding, brilliant light and Paul falls down and says, who are you, Lord? It's like, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. See, here's my point. Paul was winning according to his scorecard and then he realized that God was not in that game. God wasn't in the game of keeping the perfect Hebrew scorecard. Jesus is not in the scorecard keeping game with us today. You see, Jesus said it this way, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world, to win, hashtag winning, you could gain it all and forfeit your soul. Romans 3, 
22 through 26, Paul says the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Since there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as an atoning sacrifice in his blood, received through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus. Did you catch that? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, meaning this, whatever scorecard that you have been living by, when it comes to God, you may feel like you're winning according to that scorecard, but when it comes to God, you're losing. We've all fallen short. And let's be honest, even our own scorecards, we fail ourselves repeatedly over and over again. We see our own hypocrisy. We say the things that we know we shouldn't say and we think the things that we know we shouldn't think and we have attitudes that we know we shouldn't have. We fail our own scorecards over and over again. And Paul says, good news. I have good news for you. To the one who feels like they're winning and to the one who feels like they're losing, I have great news. Jesus isn't into your scorecard. In fact, Jesus fulfilled the Father's scorecard perfectly. And then he died to take all of your failings upon himself, the very wrath of God, so that he could look at you and say, forgiven, forgiven, righteous. Like you are, you're okay through what Jesus did for you. You see, the gospel is grace it's good news and the day will come when Jesus will split the heavens I mean he's going to return the same one who came the one who all time is marked by he's going to return he's going to split open the heavens and that day the real scoreboard will be revealed and the, the thing that he's going to ask is did I know you we see that over and over again in the Gospels when Jesus would say in his parables, depart from me, I never knew you. And that's what Paul says here. Verse seven. But everything that was a gain to me, I've considered loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the, of the surpassing value of what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I've suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. 
Paul basically says he took his scorecard and all the little W's that were in that, that win column, he, he just said, I just moved them all over to the loss column. I said, everything that was gained to me is loss. In fact, you know what? Forget it more than that. Everything is loss compared to the surpassing value of knowing Jesus. My last point is this. Knowing Jesus is better than the scorecard that you've been carrying around. Like, like there's a way of knowing Jesus where you will begin to really count everything else as loss. Like even when you think you're winning, you're gonna say, eh, it's dung. It's loss compared to knowing Jesus. It's really that good. <laughs> it's amazing. I uh, was thinking this week about the term all in. Y'all have used the term I'm all in, right? You've probably said that before. And that's a term that comes from uh, like gambling, right? You're, you're playing a game like poker and you're dealt a hand and you're looking at your hand and you're thinking about like all the other possible hands that could have been dealt. And you're kind of thinking like, this is a good hand. I don't see how anyone could beat this hand. In fact, I'm so confident in this hand that I've been dealt that I'm gonna go all in, right? And we've used that, that picture when it comes to following Christ, that, that you would say, look, you know, I've been dealt this hand of Jesus and, and I know like nothing compares to that. And so I'm gonna go all in with Christ. And I think that's a beautiful way to think about that. But I wanna kind of turn that on its head this morning. Because what I see in this passage is, is something quite different. Paul says this, I was at the table, the Hebrew table, and we were playing the Hebrew game. And I was dealt a phenomenal hand, like Hebrew of Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. Like I had no control over that, but it just kind of came to me. That was the hand that was dealt to me and I was winning. Like he was a phenomenal hand. I was all in at the Hebrew table. But then Jesus came up to me and he said, Paul, I love you. I have an incredible plan for your life and I will be with you forever. But it's me or the table. And what Paul did is he said, I'm out. I'm out. So what I want to call you to this morning is whatever table you've been at, whatever scorecard you've been keeping, what if this morning Jesus is coming up to you and saying, it's me or the table. It's me or your scorecard. Where's your trust? Are you trusting me? Are you trusting in your wins or your losses? Is your life like that stock market up and down, up and down? He says, no, 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 no. I will be with you forever. I will make you righteous through faith. But it's me or the table. Let's pray this morning. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.